Scratch. Alam, I'll be going then. Uh, Natalie, I hope to see much more of you as our two great countries work toward a better future. Thank you, sir. President, uh, has it been a good visit? Very satisfactory indeed. We uh, got what we came for, and our special relationship is still very special. And uh, Prime Minister? I love that word, relationship. It covers all manner of sins, doesn't it? I fear that this has become a bad relationship. A relationship based on the President taking exactly what he wants and casually ignoring all those things that really matter to um, Britain. We may be a small country, but we're a great one too. The country of Shakespeare, Churchill, the Beatles, Sean Connery, Harry Potter, <laughs> David Beckham's right foot, David Beckham's left foot. And a friend who bullies us is no longer a friend. And since bullies only respond to strength, now onward, I will be prepared to be much stronger. And the President should be prepared for that. Everybody, it's the Dave Joskow podcast. Wednesday, May fourth, the day after. If you listen to this podcast regularly, the Year of the Godfather, episode two, at the Village Underground for a entertaining in front of a sold-out performance, May third. And today is the day after, and Dave Joskow is a little hungover and a little tired and a little sleepy. And I mean, the man who has the guts. And the iron will and the nerve to do a show about the Godfather with Artie Lang and others. And then to open with a clip from Love Actually is the only thing you can actually call a man. And in most countries, they would call that a gay man. But uh, again, all will be revealed. As the podcast continues, and we get set up for an all-new Dave Joskow podcast, the May 2016 edition. All right. Oh, sorry, my... Uh this computer's got to go. <laughs> I was trying to do a nice fade coming from Squeeze. Eddie, get your gun. We're going all the way back to 1982. But the uh, the computer just... Uh, the A doesn't work. It's time to get a new laptop. Listen, 
this laptop that I've used for, I don't know, maybe a, could it be a hundred shows by now? It's been a year of shows, uh, a year and a half. I've only missed three weeks. So we have to be closing in on a hundred episodes. I guess it's easy enough to check. Um, this laptop was given to me by Time Warner with a, you know, package deal that I uh, bought their signature home thing and it was better than the $1,200 one that I spent that they wouldn't repair, this Lenovo. And it's done its job, but it's a cheap computer and, uh, you know, this is a very quality show and we need a new one. How am I going to do my live podcast at PodFest 2016 with a subpar computer? They can't hit the letter A. It's, it's kind of a disaster. Actually, I, I probably need to get one immediately because they're going to bring it on the road. And speaking of the road, I'm using the new system today, which I thought sounded much clearer yesterday. So I'm using the new system, the Tascam 40,000. Uh, and speaking to you from my bedroom today, because in my bedroom, I have a lovely view of the city and the water and the bridge. And it's nice. If the weather was nicer, this would be a very pleasant podcast. I wouldn't have to have the light on in my bedroom, which I don't even think I fixed because I just never turn the light on in my bedroom. You know, I have lights on from other places because you should always keep the bedroom dark. You know what I mean? So, you know, either I have the hallway light on or the closet light on, but it's very, very rare that I'll put the main light on. Do you know who puts the main light on? When I have guests, female guests, they like to put the main light on. I don't know what that's all about. I guess they got to check out their clothes and their makeup. I even have this, you know, long mirror because yesterday I was looking, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? Trying to look, you know, I got a a length mirror, but it's like kind of blocked. And I was thinking, boy, if I, you know, if I get a girl over here again, they're they're probably going to want me to move the nightstand so they can get a better look. Perhaps I should purchase a full length mirror on the off chance that someone wants to stay over. On an occasion. But uh, right now, I only cater to one woman in my life, and her name is Selena. And it is not Selena Gomez, although she is African American. Um, my cat. Who I put into my act yesterday. So, you know, let's just. Uh, all right, so here it is. So, you know, I'm doing the podcast. So, this is good because now I can do it remotely. Now I can go to people's houses. I think I know how to. I had to work it myself without Memo. Obviously, I wanted Memo here today. He was there last night. I'm going to level with you. I'm not happy. I was not happy with last night's performance. Am I being uh, picky and meticulous? Yes. Did the audience like it? Yes. Was it as good as last time? Mm. No. I don't think so. People have been talking to me. They loved it. They loved it. They're going to come back the next time. So I get another chance. But I was not happy. Now, it was sold out, which was fantastic. I couldn't even believe it. Sold out. 200 seats. That's all it holds. We had 198 tickets. I don't know who those two people were. No, but uh, I, I was told they were turning away people at the door. Sold out. Can't even believe. Can't even believe a show I was involved with was sold out. Um, you know, that's, uh, hey, we're going to need a bigger venue. But uh, I love that place. And I will tell you more about all of that in a second. I just want to say, here's what happened. 
And uh, a lot of you listen to the podcast came down last night. I really appreciate it. Uh, Scott Moskowitz was there. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, my friends from high school and Joe Messina, of course. Uh, Cousin Frankie. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people. Uh, Jessica Pilot. Uh, you, you know, uh, if your mom is listening, uh, your daughter looked lovely last night. And it was very nice of her to come all the way from Vegas. And then uh, catching the red eye and coming over to the, po- to the uh, show. But let's face it, it's a, it's a quality show. It's, it's, you know, it's exciting. It's, a, it's an event. As my friend was telling me, uh, John Vitti, who came all the way from Boston to come down and took the train home that night. He got home like 10 in the morning. Uh, what a trooper he is. Great to see him. You know, that was really cool. And his friend Sean from the Boston Globe. Uh, so that was great. I'm sure I'm missing a couple people. I wouldn't let my mother come. I, I mean, I wanted her to come, but, I, you know, it's a, it's a pain. Because she wanted to come with my sister. My sister's going with friends. They take the train. They take the subway. They're running. We got to catch it. What are you going to do? You know, she's, she can't even walk down the stairs anymore. She wants to get rid of her house because she's got the downstairs. She's like, I can't walk the stairs anymore. So how is that going to be helpful? We needed to drive her in. I should have arranged a car service. I tried to call her on Monday. said, do you want to get a car service? But she never answered. She never called me back. So we think she didn't even want to go. Then I found out that she was, you know, she's supposed to play Marjan on Tuesdays. But um, uh, uh, she didn't even know that the Mahjong game was at her house. So I, I don't know how that all planned out but or worked out, but whatever. Anyway, the place was packed with friends and family and people I've never, I didn't know, but were there for the, the fun of it or to see, you know, the great Richard Klein, Larry from Three's Company, who is just such a mensch and a great guy. And uh, the fact that we're friends makes me happy on a daily basis. I still can't even believe it. You know, some people in your life, and you guys know me, if you're listening to this podcast, you know who, you know, if I have a choice to be best pals with George Clooney or Richard Klein, you know, in my life, I mean, I mean, people that were there in their lives, would they ever think they would meet Larry from Three's Company? I mean, let's face it, it's it's exciting. He was awesome. He's an awesome, beloved character in an amazing sitcom. Today, I was just watching a a scene for some reason I'd seen, I'd passed through it on YouTube uh, from Three's Company and Jack's sitting there, he's holding a, a soda, a cola, and Janet's wa- reading a book and I guess uh, Terry is playing her violin and he's like, no, 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 we're not going to have this. <laughs> and Terry comes out in just the sexiest night lingerie little teddy I've ever seen. I mean, I swear to God, I... I'm surprised it was allowed to be on television. It was so hot. And John Ritter turns around, and you know he's going to turn. And first she comes up behind him, and he's turned around. And and you know what's going to happen. And that's what made John Ritter so brilliant. You know it's coming. You know he's going to react. But the the brilliance of the comic genius, like somebody like that, or even really Larry Hagman, even in uh, I Dream of Genie, is how they're going to do it. What's going to happen? How are they going to react? So, and, it, and he does it in the most obvious way, but adds a little piece that he turns around and he goes, oh, my God, because she looks ridiculous. But then he pours soda all over Janet <laughs> to make it better, <laughs> which is just so funny. And it's just, uh, you know, you really miss that guy. And then you realize just why that show was so funny. It was all him. And... You know, Larry just made it special because he was just the perfect next door neighbor. And, you know, when I think of uh, male comics, and I probably have repeated this before, you know, I was talking to Attell after the show, and 
uh, my friend Steve Fabrican, who we call him Outside Steve because he works the uh, comedy cellar outside. We were talking, you know, the reason we all got into comedy, and Jeff Ross too, we were talking, the reason we all got into comedy was probably because of Larry from Three's Company. We got into stand-up comedy assuming that life would take us to play, you know, what you hoped to achieve when we were growing up was to get a role like the crazy bachelor next-door neighbor on a Three's Company show. That's what we, I don't think any of us thought we were going to be movie stars. You know, the guys that I know, I don't think, you know, Jeff Ross or Attell or me ever thought we were going to be, you know, Richard Pryor uh, being a, a movie star or, you know, even at this point, Amy Schumer. I, I, I think we achieved the, the main achievement would to be Larry on Three's Company and then, you know, continue to do comedy and hope for the best and then hope maybe get your own TV show or something. Um, but, you know, so he, he really meant so much to so many people and so many people were thrilled and they were taking pictures with him. And uh, I think he was very happy. But here's how it went down. I got up on stage, I did my stand-up, and I will play all this for you uh, maybe next week. I have the recording, so maybe next week I will. Next week will probably be the best week because then we'll want to talk about PodFest and what's that doing about. So I don't know. I'll think about putting it out next week. Um, unless something big happens that I want to tell you guys about. So I get up and I do the stand-up, and I was very uptight about the stand-up. I told you about that. But I had gone on Sunday. Well, let me, let me. I guess, mm, yeah, no, I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll go backwards. I, I did the, 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 maybe I should start from the beginning. On Thursday night, I know, I, I can't decide what's best. I think I just want to talk about the show first. So, I did my stand-up, and I went out Sunday night to the Broadway Comedy Club to prepare a little. And when I say prepare, I did that one show, and then I did this one in front of 200 people. And that's the way I've worked my entire life, and it hasn't been very successful, but sometimes it is. I don't know. Maybe I don't need a lot of practice. But, um, you know, I got the routine down in the sense of the mannerism, the way I say it. It's all for me. It's memorization and material. I've always said if if I could pay somebody $1,000 to write some material for me, I'd probably be pretty successful. But I had kind of a tailor-made. It's a loaded audience for me. It's a little bit older, so I can talk about movies and stuff. Maybe some of the stuff I couldn't talk at at a normal uh, crowd in front of the comedy cellar that's mostly tourists or maybe 25-year-olds. So I got up, and I, I think I did really well. I mean, I, I, I would say I, I, I was very pleased with my set I did what I intended to do. I killed, really, and the people loved it. I I went slowly. I was calm. I was relaxed. A lot of times I've been told I go way too fast, and I consider that kind of a character in a way, but it's not good enough because people want to hear the material. I mean, how many times am I going to say everybody to slow down and talk into the microphone when we're just doing the Godfather thing? So I did pretty well with the act. I had a couple of opening jokes, and then you'll hear them all next week. And then I talked about... uh, uh, Margaret Hamilton, the witch from the Wizard of Oz, which, you know, I don't know. I mean, the, the basic punchline being, I was just like, you know, a lot of people were afraid of the Wicked Witch when they're growing up. All of us were growing up. We're afraid of the Wicked Witch. I was afraid of the actress who played the Wicked Witch. Big laughs. <laughs> and then I did a whole chunk on Margaret Hamilton. Now, that's very rare <laughs> you know, to find anywhere. And, of course, I make fun of that. And then, uh, you know, of course, I added in some Michael Caine, whatever. But it, it worked really well to where the owner, Gnome, who was so amazing on the mandolin, 
uh, said that Margaret Hamilton stuff was great and is the owner of the club. He's like, why aren't you working here? And I'm like, listen, I don't have time for this place. I got a regular job I got to worry about. So then I introduced Jeff Ross, and he did well, like a tell. You know, they did okay. I mean, they can't follow me. What can I say? No, it's not that. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm kidding, but I don't know what it is. I think when they come in the room, they're not expecting. It's funny to have a room that I do better than those guys in, but I don't. I think they're expecting, you know, I can't kill in the rooms that they do, which is every other room, you know, in America. This is a loaded room. I know what the people are there for, and I guess I know the material that's going to work. So Jeff, of course, is brilliant, and it doesn't matter, and he does a great set, and uh, and he was so great, and he hung out the whole night, he watched the whole thing. Rachel Feinstein came by, Marina Franklin came by, they all came by and watched, which was so nice. Um, but everybody really thought I did a great comedy set, which I can't tell you how happy it makes me because when I hang out at the comedy cellar, and they have made me part of the family, but now they know. Well, I guess he did used to be a comic. You know, it's kind of important to me to do well in front of the owner of the comedy cellar and the manager of the comedy cellar. It's important for me because I hang out there. I have a good reputation, but they don't know why. In fact, nobody really knows why that's there. It's the old school people like, no, this guy really used to be funny. I mean, I still have funny bits in the sense that people tell people stories of what happens to me. So and to, and to do these shows that, you know, sell out and do really well, they're like, I don't get this guy. What's his deal? So then, you know, at least they're like, well, he's he's kind of funny. He's he's good. So that meant a lot to me that I did well. That was really important for me. And maybe I should have concentrated more on the the goddamn show than than my set. So then I come up and I introduce everybody, and then we start the show. Now I've told you before. Now I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not being conceited. I just want the show to go good, right? Now I write the whole script. Now obviously I don't write the whole script. It's Mario Puzo's script. But I doctor it, so, you know, besides the, you know, major lines, everything else is, is doctored. The, the narrator parts and all that kind of stuff, it's all me writing. So, you know, unfortunately, like I had said last week, I was very uptight that I die halfway through playing Vito Corleone, and then I got to leave it up to the other actors. Now, the other actors, besides a professional like Richard Klein um, and Artie, quite frankly who really came off as a pro, are all idiots. And I don't even know whether they looked at the script the day beforehand. I mean, they're all good, but they're not, you know, they're, they're flubbing lines and stuff, and this kind of shit really bothers me. And the, the thing I was mostly bothered about was the narrator. I used Rick Chrome. I switched him over from this guy, Paul Mercurio. And he's like the consummate narrator. He's got an amazing speaking voice. And people were coming up to me like, oh, my God, that narrator was amazing. He was amazing. Well, he wasn't amazing because he flubbed so many different lines. It was driving me insane because I was off stage and I was just, you know, when I'm on stage and I'm in my character, I'm, I'm not really concentrating on everything else. But when I'm off stage, then I have time to listen to everybody else. And I was not happy. And I was trying to keep it in check because I didn't want the people because, you know, where we are in the in the Village Underground, we're sitting right with the people in the audience. We have a section for the the actors and the comics but we're sitting right next to audience members. In this case, it was like my sister's friends from uh, New Jersey. And I didn't want to, you know, them to see my faces like I was angry. So I had to relax. But, you know, Mateo, who's wonderful, I mean, really, really wonderful, was doing, I had Paulie become an effeminate gay guy. Like, oh my God, you guys. Oh my God, I was so sick. You guys aren't going to whack me, right? Like, I thought that would be funny, but I should have played the part myself because I knew exactly what I wanted. 
and maybe I didn't convey it to him. Maybe it's all worded the way I know it has to be, but I'm not able to convey it to the actors because we have 10 minutes before the show. You know, like we can practice it once and then we perform it. And yet that's kind of the fun too, but I can't convey. And I enjoy convey when, when we do turbocharge me and memo, my favorite part is dealing with the actors and, uh, you know, working with actors. I really, really like that. As gay as that might be or something. I really enjoy working with actors. I'm like, here's here's the way the scene is. I don't like the technical parts. So Memo and I are a really good team. He concentrates on the technical parts and I concentrate on working with the actors and telling them how to, you know, or expressing how to deliver a line because you're not supposed to tell them how to do it. However, in this case, sometimes I have to tell them, I have to do it for them and tell them how to do it because people are expecting that because it is a, you know, we're doing a classic that everybody knows the lines and knows how they're set. But, you know, sometimes it's difficult. And mostly, as you know, I was just saying, please talk into the mic. Please talk loud. And I think everybody did. Plus, thank God, Gnome, the owner, was there. Because I know I wasn't crazy last time. And I was talking to Memo the day before. And I'm like, we got to have the music. Whenever we have music cues, make sure they're loud enough so the audience can... No, no, no. I think you're mistaken. They're loud enough. You know, you guys are facing the wrong way. Well, I was right. Because Gnome was screaming at the guy. What the hell is the matter with you guys? Put it louder. Put it louder. So I wasn't crazy. We couldn't hear it last time. You could hear it on the thing. And this time you're going to be able to hear a lot of the music cues when the live music isn't playing. And let me tell you, the live music was fantastic. It was sensational. It made a world of difference. Noah was amazing. He bought this guitar player, Colin Smith, with him. And they were amazing. Really great. And uh, really made a great difference. I put in a... Uh, a scene for uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas and we did it and Mateo came in through the audience singing and then I did the backups and people said they loved it which made me so happy and I think I did some good backup voices and people were telling me they were like but I really liked when you did that because you were just doing it you weren't it you were just having a good time like I was trying to be all smiles not in character and I think people appreciate when you try and make something that they're there to see and try and make it special that you know, they're getting their money's worth and you really are putting your all into it. I know I can fix it next time. I'm upset with the actors. I I got I told Mateo how I felt and I felt bad. He's the only one I told and I like him so much. But he, ugh, he you know, I was just sitting there and I'm like, say the line. You know, so it was, it's not really his fault. It just happened to be watching and I don't know. I was very upset, but. Maybe the audience couldn't tell. Maybe they could. I, I don't know. Do I get Paul Mercurio back to narrate? I never thought I would say that. People loved this announcer because his voice was great, but I don't I don't know how you've... Some people... I, I, I've seen him. Tom Papa uses him all the time. He can always read from a script. I'm really good at reading from a teleprompter and a script. Some people aren't. I'm very good at cold reads. I don't know why. He was having so much trouble. He he had it all blocked out. He had it in thing. He has. I've changed a lot of the wording, so it's easier for me. So he made all these changes, and then it didn't help him at all. Even I love the guy. I love the guy. I really do. Rick Chrome, great guy. I've known him for years, but I, I'm I was a little displeased, a little dis disappointed with the performance. So you know, I I came away with it. Very disappointed last night. Then they, they, they rushed me over to the the Comedy Central was doing their podcast. So they rushed me over, so I didn't really get to say 
you know, hold on, but, but, or, you know, where are you going after? But then it's always so confusing where are we go, where are we going. So it was easier for me to just run across the street, do the podcast for an hour. Everybody petered out except for John Vitti and his friend Sean and, and then we hung and Memo and we hung out and Bichetti. <laughs> and I hung out, had a couple drinks. And then me and Atel, because then Atel and Jeff went on stage, you know, they go at 1 30 in the morning and we went down, we watched them, then Vitti left, and then me, Atel, and Steve went out for dinner at three in the morning. You know, when I gotta work the next day. But that's all right. I mean, you know, it's it's a fun night. Instead of drinking like crazy like last time, I just had Two drinks, two shots. I was fine. I just, you know, I only got three hours of sleep. So that's, um, you know, I have the problem too. But it was worth it. I mean, I don't know. I was very disappointed today. I was very sad. I was not happy. I know I can fix it. I'll fix it for the third one. But other people might like that. I don't know. You know, I guess we'll hear it. We'll listen to it together next week or whenever. And, um, you know, you'll be able to judge. If I'm crazy, I I think you will be more annoyed by listening to it than you would be when you were there because you'll be able to hear what I was hearing because I'm focusing on it because I wrote it. So the biggest laugh of the night, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Artie's contribution. uh, Well, Don Corleone, if you consider a million dollars and two drinks of the Regal Beagle, just finance Richard was kind of pissed that we put it in. I'm like, I changed. He goes, oh, all right. Meanwhile, he got the biggest laugh of the night and an applause break. And then Richard's like, oh, I wish I had written that line, you know. So he he understood, uh, you know, we just placed that one and that's it. I think he was getting annoyed because Nob was playing the Three's Company theme the whole time. And I think that was annoying him. But I hope he wasn't annoyed and I hope he would come back and do it again. Because he is a lovely guy. But I think he understands. I'm just going to take a sip of water. My mouth is obviously dry from yesterday. I think he understands his place in the world and he knows how important it is and that people are excited. My sister is such an idiot. She was, uh, she got a regular camera. So at first she's like taking the pictures and I'm like waiting and she's like, I can't figure out how it works. That's number one. I'm like, you and your stupid, you know, meanwhile, people have cell phones now that, you know, they take it, it's done. She's getting a professional camera. She doesn't know what she's doing. So then she takes a picture of the cast and we're screaming at her that the lens cap is on and she's like, what are you guys, high? And she has no idea. I mean, she just looks like an idiot taking in. And then she's like, thank you, Richard Klein. <laughs> because, you know, he's just beloved. Everybody wanted to take pictures with him and stuff. And he was very nice about it. I think. I don't think he cares. I don't know. I mean, he's all he's done lots. He was just he told me he's like he was just finishing spam a lot, you know, on the road. Sold out crowds every night playing King Arthur. Um I assume he's happy with his life. I I don't know. Hopefully he has money. So there it is. You know, obviously you'll be able to judge for yourself, but I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little blue. But uh, I'll get over it. You know, maybe if the sun comes out at any time in the next three weeks, I'll be over it. So on to PodFest, and, uh, you know, I just found out Sarah's coming to town on the 19th, not the 22nd. So I swear to God, if she ends up doing that pod, the podcast after mine, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm so happy with Rachel and Marina as my guests that I'm very much looking forward to it now. And uh, I don't know, you know, I again, I don't care if anybody buys tickets or not, but, you know, and then, you know, the girl who runs it, 
asked me for uh, a comp ticket. Now, it's my pleasure to give her a comp ticket. She's very nice. She's young. A nice girl. But, you know, I, you know, then all of a sudden I was just thinking, I'm like, you know, you, you, you guys have been on everybody's case about getting guests and getting guests. And then, you know, I, I was looking at the list of guests. Besides Robert Kelly, you know, who's a professional and has Colin Quinn, I have the best guests out of the entire podfest. I have the best ones. Rachel and Marie, they're the best ones. Everybody I've seen on that list stinks. Maybe Janine Garofalo. Do you really want to see Janine Garofalo? I don't. Mine's going to be the best one. I mean, too, the best guest-wise. And then, I, I don't know, I was just angry about it because she's like, well, can you also add David Tell? I'm like, you, wait, you're not happy with, the, with this? So I, I just, I kind of lashed out a little bit. I was like really angry. And I'm like, and remember, the tickets are 10 bucks. And, uh, you know, anybody that asks me for a comp, I'm like, are you serious? All right, but she's 22. Maybe she's got to buy a drink. She doesn't have a lot of money or however old she is. My friend uh, Greg Bello asked for a comp ticket. He's 50. You know? I'm like, what are you kidding? It's 10 bucks. I didn't even make any comp. So I only had four people on my comp list. Uh, Richard Klein's wife, she didn't show up. Greg Bello, who didn't even use his comp. And uh, Andrea or Andrea, whatever. But and the worst part about her, every time she calls me and leaves a message, it sounds like she's crying, like she's in tears. It's like the worst thing. It's like every time she calls, I'm like, I, I really think, is, is everything okay? But everything is fine. It's just the way she talks. It's frustrating. So I guess it was all adding up, and I'm just like, all right, I'll get guests. You know, that they're so guest happy where it clearly just, you know, and look, I'm doing the podcast by myself. I love doing the podcast by myself. The Dave Just Got Podcast is called the Dave Just Got Podcast because it's usually just Dave Just Got talking. So if you're telling me I got to get guests and some douchebag I don't know is saying he better get guests, well, fuck you. I don't want to be on your stupid pod festival then. I don't care. Obviously, I don't care. I do this by my house. I'm doing it in my bedroom. I don't give a shit. I got like three listeners and I'm happy the way it is. Would I love to make money doing this the rest of my life absolutely you know i love doing podcasts i did three of them this week but you know i just got to kind of wait it out and hope that the the tweets are going out and the publicity in that sense is working and maybe it'll all work out i don't know maybe we'll get a radio show that's all i ever wanted but you know podfest that's not gonna help me it'll be fun Anyway, enough of that. So Thursday, I do Artie's podcast, right? So uh, Dan Filato calls me and he says, uh, can you come and do the podcast? I said, you know what? I'm, um, I'm laying low until the show because I've just got to concentrate. Now, I had nothing to do Thursday, but I wanted to stay close to home. And I certainly didn't want to go to bed at 5 in the morning. So he goes, no, no, we're going to do it at 7 o'clock at night. I'm like, okay, oh, that sounds good because Artie's got this. Artie's got a third book and he's working on it with the guy he writes the book with. And I'm like, that's fine, that's fine. And then, of course, uh, you know, around 5 o'clock, he goes, hey, we're going to make it 8.30 because Artie's booked things. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And he goes, no, 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 you'll be out by, you know, 11.30, whatever. I'm like, I know I'm not going to be out by 11.30, but I committed and I'm definitely going, right? And I'm taking the ferry over this time. So I take the ferry over. My stomach's already hurting. I don't know why. I'm just getting nervous. I get some coffee. I go over, wait in a half hour. You know, it's definitely not the same as when I went in with Russ and Dave. Uh, 
Artie comes out. He goes, Dave, we're just going to talk about the book for a little bit. Just hang around, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, uh, whatever. I expected it. But then he's like, yeah, can you, you think you can go to the bedroom? We're going to talk. And I'm like, you want me to leave this room? Because I'm sorry. I had to stand up and say something. Now they give me shit about that on the podcast for the next hour and a half. But is that, uh, no, I'm not wrong about that. That was not cool. Now, I don't mind waiting. I, I, you know, I know what I'm in for when I go on his podcast. It's bad enough, the disrespect for asking. And I'm not saying he's disrespecting me because of me, but I'm saying I know what I'm going on. I don't have to do the podcast. But it is rude to ask your guests to wait an hour and a half to sit around. I mean, it is rude. You know it's rude. But then to ask me to sit in his bedroom and watch TV, you know, with Dan and just watching TV, that's not cool. At least, you know, I got the kitchen and the bathroom. I'm, I'm like locked in there. So I made them go in the bedroom. I thought that was fair, but he gave me a lot of shit at that to the podcast, but I didn't care. I mean, that, that was, so we got into a kind of a fight and then I was nervous he wasn't going to do the show, but it, he, he gets over stuff and he was so good last night. I'm telling you, he was so good. I don't know what to tell, how to tell him. I, I guess I got to call him and let him know how good he was. Uh, and to thank him because I think I, there was one scene where I ha- we haven't come up to the Honeymooners music because he's not on the whole time. I wanted him to get an applause break. But I think I forgot to tell the other actor that he was going to do this. The other actor keeps doing his lines during it. And I, and I forgot. I'm like, wait, Artie. And then I go, Artie. And I, I kind of messed it up. Um, that was totally on me. But Artie was really great. And he didn't have enough funny lines. And because when I wrote it, I didn't think I was going to get Artie to play it. Next time, I have to kind of tailor make it, I think. Maybe if, if I know I'm going to get people. I don't know. Anyway, uh, then so then Friday, um, I found out Noam was at the cellar and I needed to talk to him about the music. You know, we hadn't talked about any of the music or how it was going to work. And, you know, we had the sheet. So I went down Friday right after work and I saw him and I sat with him and Esty, the woman that books the comics and the manager, Liz. But I sat there for six and a half hours. It was horrible. I mean, the, the comedy cellar is being worked on, so they got rid of the kitchen and now there's no comics table so we were just sitting at a regular table so I was like kind of stuck in there because I was on the inside and I was just there for six hours and people kept coming and going it was kind of fun but and then you know I wasn't drinking because I know SD doesn't like when I drink but then I was there for three hours I'm like yeah I'll have a beer and uh you know give me a shot too and then maybe I had another beer so when I was leaving, when I finally got to leave, I saw the manager Liz outside, and I go, you know, I was just sitting there for six hours. I didn't even have anything to drink. She goes, you had two drinks and a shot. And I'm like, how the fuck did you know that? I asked her yesterday. I'm like, how did you know I She goes, I know everything. And I'm like, did Esty say something? She doesn't like when I drink. She goes, I don't just, I know everything. And I'm like, shit. I was really trying to, you know, keep it on the down low, even though. You know, as he was watching. Anyway, boring, boring, boring. So me and Noam kind of worked out the the music cues and all that kind of stuff. And then I was just there. And then they're like, oh, you got to see this comic. Her name was uh, Michelle Wolf, And she's like kind of an up-and-coming girl. And you go, you got to see her. You got to see her. They love her. But I think the other comics don't like her that much. Uh, probably just because they're jealous because the owner and the woman who books the club are so into her. Like, they go down to see her sets, you know, which is what every comic, you know, wants. So this new girl who writes on The Daily Show. And she was very funny. But, uh, I mean, she was very funny, but, you know, I, I don't know whether Garner's like, you got to see her, you got to see her. And um, so it was funny because I was just, Gary Goldman was there and he goes, hey, you want to lift home? Because I'm going to, you know, he lives in my neighborhood. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was like, any out, you know, I could do. And um, 
they're like, I thought you were going to stay and see Michelle. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 we're going to do this. So, you know, I went down and then went back up. But, um, you know, Natterman, Paul Mercurio, Lenny, they all stopped by. So, I was, remember, I was going to do a walk around on Saturday. So, I was all able to give them their scripts in person, which I like. So, that was good. That was very productive, very productive day. Only had a couple drinks. And then I think I, did I walk home? Because I might have even walked home because I was wanted to concentrate. And then the next day, I was going to walk around the city, you know, and deliver scripts. On Thursday night, I went to the Hard Rock Cafe where uh, this girl, Jen, who was playing Kay Adams, works. So, you know, I just like delivering scripts in person because it's, uh, you know, it, it's, the more, it's a classy move. So I walked all the way up to the Upper East Side and then across the park and then down to Central Park and cut across and, you know, did everything I had to do. It was a very, it was a long day, but it was fun and it was good exercise. And Saturday, thank God, was a beautiful day. So it was a great day to walk around. And I stopped at my friend Lee and Laura's house. And, you know, they got kids. And uh, I remember I used to hate their kids, but now I'm okay with them a little bit. But they like me now because I'm funny. You know, kids like me because I'm like kind of a kid. And they're really into. Puppet Picks. Puppet Picks is this two-minute YouTube piece I used to do for football season uh, from 2007 to 2010 or 2008 to 2010. For three years, I made 17 episodes of Puppet Picks from September to December based on football and puppets. And I kept making them at my house with Memo and a couple of other guys. And I realized nobody was watching them. But people would tell me, oh, my God, I love puppet pics. I love puppet pics. And I'd put it out with my pool news. I was just trying to make the pool fun. But nobody was watching them. There's 100 people in the pool. There were 20 views. And I'm like, oh, screw you. But my, my nephew, when he was younger, he loved it. So I started making them just for him. So I did a whole space one, you know, where we're in space the whole time. I started doing it for him. But kids actually really like it i mean it makes sense but it's really funny that they like the you know where our football picks so um like here's one of them i just have a, a clip I, uh you know it's all green screened and stuff and here's one from uh 2009 week four and this is one of the uh standing bits we, we gotta were take doing. the bus to work oh it's not so bad i like the bus you would I just hope we don't. Yeah, so it's me and Bernie the puppet. And Bernie, of course, talks like Ed Wynn, as you can hear, but it's me doing the voice, too. So, um, and we're riding the bus because our car crashed uh, every time because uh, every time we just scream bridge out. Don't go over any bumps. I'm trying to enjoy my coffee. I guess we might as well go over the picks as long as we have time. Sounds good to me. I love the 49ers over the Rams this week. I've been all over the 49ers from the beginning this year. San Francisco, what a great town. Yeah, it's a good choice. I'm going to go with the Houston Texans over the horrible Oakland Raiders. i got to tell you, I'm having a pretty good time riding the bus. This coffee, it's delicious. Well, you better enjoy it while it lasts. Well, what do you mean? Well, not to alarm you, but I could have sworn we just passed a sign that said bridge out. Bridge out? Bridge out? Bridge out? Oh! 
my favorite part when it ends with the Incredible Hulk theme music. We die in a crash, and then and then it gives our football picks. Forty nine dollars plus seven. And we would end uh, the first season. We'd end like that. Then I went to space thing, and it kind of didn't do the football picks. We just did a space thing, and we just picked the picks at the end because uh, I just felt it was just too much talking about football. I couldn't decide. I don't care. First, it was a game show. I mean, I just think. And, and, you know, and the reason why I'm telling you this is because I had just heard that the people that produced American Idol uh, went bankrupt. Uh, this place called 19 Entertainment or it's called Core Entertainment Media or something like that. And um, they are dicks and can kiss my ass because uh, I had a meeting with them. And they're like, oh, well, uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to talk to you about some idea. Like, well, do you have anything online that we can see? I'm like, well, you know. Actually, I do this thing called Puppet Picks, which is kind of good. And they, they looked at it, and I never heard from them again. And um, I totally get it, but now you can go fuck yourselves. Because maybe I tapped in to a uh, kitty market that could have uh, saved your company. So screw you, 19 Entertainment and Core Entertainment and Core Entertainment Media, and you stink. You take your bankruptcy in, you can shove it right up your ass. Puppet picks rules. I've been thinking about bringing it back. I don't know. The kids were mesmerized. I was at the house. We were all watching it together. And I was like, yeah, this isn't that bad. You know, if you just did it as a kid show, I don't even know. what. But maybe it's a good thing to do the NFL. You get little kids involved. I don't know. I just like working with puppets and I like doing voices. So that's mainly um, you know, where that comes from. Anyway, Sunday, I told you I... Got kind of depressed. The weather was crappy. And I was like, I know I got to go to the comedy club. And my spot's not till 9.45. So I'm like, uh, do I take a nap? Do I practice? I don't know what I was doing. I'm like, do I have material? Do I not? But listen, thank God I went. I'm telling you, it just gets my head better. Um, you know, I don't do that good. It doesn't matter. Getting up in front of people is just the most important thing. Then I also do the show upstairs at 11 o'clock. And I can't tell you, those two spots in a row are so helpful. And Chris Murphy was kind enough to, you know, he's very good at helping me and supporting me, and he's, he's a very good comic teacher, actually. He's very nurturing, and he always gives me uh, some decent lines. He was the one, he told me, uh, I was doing the Margaret Hamilton, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West material. He goes, oh, tell him um, you are auditioning for Hamilton, and he thought it was about Margaret Hamilton, and uh, that got big laughs uh, last night. So that was pretty good. So Monday... I did Kevin Brennan and Lenny Marcus's podcast as was planned. I got Kevin and David Tell together. Kevin had been asking me to do the podcast for a couple of weeks, and I said, let me come on on your birthday with a tell, and we'll, we'll all celebrate your birthday together. And they thought that was a great idea. It's called Misery Loves Company. And the week before was one of the best podcasts I've ever heard. It's on the Riotcast Network, and it's Kevin and Lenny, and they're screaming at each other, and it's for real, and that's what makes it so entertaining Kevin wants to take the show on the road. It's become a popular podcast in its 13 weeks. And Lenny doesn't because Lenny would have to open for Kevin and Lenny's a headliner and he makes enough money on his own. So he's like, why am I going to do it if I'm not going to make money? And they're just screaming at each other and Kevin's always angry and it's hilarious. And so we weren't even sure if he was going to show up, but he did. And Attell came and it's so funny. Attell and him are just ranking on each other for an hour and 20 minutes. And it is so enjoyable. I was listening to it on the way. I don't even get a word in. I was listening to it, uh, you know, walking around today. 
and laughing out loud like an idiot. You know how you feel like an idiot when you're laughing at something in your earphones. And um, oh my god, it, it's uh, it was really funny. It was really fun to do. And I wasn't sure if we were going to hang out and do something either. Then I got something to eat and I walked home. But it was good because it's been tweeting a lot. You know, we were promoting the Godfather thing and already was promoting the Godfather thing. So that's why it was sold out. And then, you know, I walked home, but I'm just in this. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I woke up the next morning. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I just took a nap. I watched TV. I'm like, I I don't think there's anything else I need to do. I think I'm all set. You know, I just, you know, practice once. I'll go over the script once. But there's really nothing. You know, you're just hanging around waiting for 8 o'clock, waiting for 530 or whatever. I'm going to get there and. I got there, we rehearsed, and I told you the rest of the story, and that was last night. Now, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it, really. I, I was just going to say, this, now, I get, now I got nothing to do. Now I, get, I thought I was going to do the Comedy Central, pod, the Comedy uh, Seller podcast today, but they did it last night, so I was able to do the podcast today. I thought I'd have to do this on Thursday, and then I thought maybe I was doing artists on Thursday, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it worked out. Uh, even though I'm tired, I was like, no, I can. I love doing the podcast on Wednesdays. So it's a perfect night to do it, and everything worked out as planned, except that, you know, I'm just depressed from the actual show itself. But that being said, you know, I got to move on, and uh, whatever. So I don't have anything. This weekend, Saturday, I'm doing the ALS walk, uh, which I do every year for my friend Laura and Lee, and then Sunday's Mother's Day. So I think we're going to go to my mother's house and bring Chinese food. But we found out about 30 years ago that she hates Chinese food. We always thought she liked it. She goes, no, I never liked it. So I said to my sister, hey, why don't we bring Chinese food? And I forgot, right, that my mother hates Chinese because she's, you know, weird. And my sister goes, mommy hates Chinese food. And I'm like, no, she does. And I said, oh, I forgot. So then I told my mom and I'm like, hey, we were going to bring Chinese food down, but I, I forgot you hate it. She goes, no, I don't. And I'm like, yeah, I remember now. You told us you hate it. No, I don't. All right, then we'll bring Chinese food. Why do you got to bring Chinese? I mean, it's ridiculous. We don't know. So I'm like, well, what do you want to do? Well, we could barbecue. And barbecuing is fine, but, um, I, you know, I don't trust her barbecue yet or whatever. You know, maybe later in the summer or whatever. So I think we're going to bring – what we that I want to do is bring down Chinese food, and then we're going to bring her tuna fish and a frozen bagel, and then she can go fuck herself because that's all she offers us when we go there. If that's apparently that's her favorite meal, so that's what we'll give her for Mother's Day. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm horrible. I'm actually looking forward to Mother's Day. I don't know why. I think because maybe it's supposed to be nice weather. I could drive around in my date rape van. Oh my god, I got to change the certificate of ownership. I can't get pulled over anymore. I'm so sick of it. I don't care. I got pulled over twice. I haven't gotten any tickets. Being white, I'll tell you. <laughs> Seriously, right? You know I'm right. So uh I want to talk about two things before we uh wrap up. Oh well, the uh sports. Uh Mary Edgerton, uh interestingly, you know, she's really good. Uh well she well, she's okay. <laughs> uh obviously so far where she is, she got Golden State right, she got the Lakers wrong, the Clippers wrong. Everybody got the Clippers wrong. You can't, uh, you know, do it for that. Everybody had Golden State in four. Yes, yeah, Golden State five. Everybody got that wrong because he didn't know Steph Curry was going to get hurt. OKC in six. I think they won in five. San Antonio in four. I think that happened. 
and now they're playing OKC, and they're one and one. Uh, Cleveland obviously won in. I think they swept. No, uh, she had them in five. I'll, I'll figure it all out later. Atlanta, she had beating Boston. Now remember that one. The only reason I mention all of this is because she picked against her favorite team using her head, and she picked it in six. I think they won in six. The Miami-Charlotte game went to a game seven. She picked Miami. Oh, she was right. Yeah. Uh, that went to a game seven. The Toronto-Indiana game, she had in Indian seven, and it was very close, but Toronto ended up winning. But she did have it going to seven games. She's pretty on target. Now, I got to figure out what I'm going to do for Red Eye and how I can make this work. Now that Ted Cruz today just dropped off out of the race. So remember, it was Golden State, San Antonio, Cleveland, and Toronto. Now, they're all still in it. I was kind of hoping that Indiana would win, uh, but it's actually kind of perfect. Assuming I was going to write to Tom today, I would say Golden State still working. They had a little hiccup, uh, you know, because they lost Steph Curry, but they're still completely charging along, and what they did last night was a miracle. They were down by 17, one by 12, uh, covered the spread. And San Antonio is now one and one with OKC um, because they were, you know, whatever. No, well, now they're, well, actually, this is going to go nowhere because Ted Cruz is out, right? So I got to come up with another plan. You know, you can see I'm stretching. Cleveland's playing Atlanta. They should beat them wholeheartedly, so that's not a problem. But the Toronto, which represented Bernie Sanders, is still hanging on by a thread. So that one works because he won Indiana yesterday. I don't know. I got to figure that one out. The reason I played that. Uh, oh, I went to do. Uh, three Greek Orthodox churches were burned, caught on fire during Easter, uh, Greek Orthodox Easter, which a lot of my friends, Irene Bremis, who was on the show last night, and my friend Lee Maracas, um, celebrate. Uh, they were all burned. But there's a conspiracy thinking because there was one burn in Manhattan, one in Australia, and one in Russia. And they feel that it could be a conspiracy because of the religion's role in blocking the canonization of this Croatian Nazi supporter, Aloysius Cardinal Sepinac. Now, he was supposed to be sainted by the Pope, but he, put it, but he postponed it because the Serbs are saying he was a Nazi supporter. So until they got all the facts straight, the, the Pope is postponing it, but the Croatians are really angry, and we feel that they are starting the fires. Now, this bothers me in the sense that I know three Croatian people, and I always like them, but now I hate the Croatians. If they're that dead set against not doing some more information and Satan, you know, uh, rather canonizing a canonization, you know what I'm saying, making a saint out of this douchebag who was a Nazi supporter, and at least waiting until you get the, the facts straight then you suck what are you sainting a guy for anyway I mean all these things are questionable when we all know that the real only saint who should be sainted is St. Hubbins from uh, Spinal Tap who David St. Hubbins is named of after who is the patron saint of quality footwear and that's the only true saint <laughs> And maybe the Croatians should should relax and, uh, you know, really take a look at one of the great saints of our uh, time.
which is uh, St. Hubbins. The Patriots say the quality football. But I, I believe, yes, no, um, it was true. His name was St. Hubbins. He, he was the patron saint of um, quality footwear. God, that movie's brilliant. So the reason I played that um, thing up front, the Jungle Book, which just came out, live-action Jungle Book, which I can't wait to see. It looks amazing. Made $684 million in three weeks. It's a huge smash. It looks amazing. I can't wait to see it. And it and it won it I think it made fifty four million this week. It beat the shit out of Gary Marshall's new bag of crap with his, you know, nonstop stars cast, you know, another addition to New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day, where he uses all the celebrities and he uses them completely incorrectly. And now he's got Jennifer Aniston and Julia Roberts. And it tanked because they suck. Jennifer Aniston does not make money in movies. She is a horrible actress. And if you're going to use Julia Roberts because, oh, he always uses the same people all the camera marsh. You don't use the same people all the time. Dave Juskow. Because they're awesome. And when they don't, when they fail me, I get rid of them. I don't care if he uses Julia Roberts, but if you're going to do one of those another all-star cast bullshit movies, if you better do it right, and he doesn't do it right. Listen to the cast of that horrible, horrible, unwatchable movie, New Year's Eve. And this is several years ago, so, you know, some of the people were much more famous then. Michelle Pfeiffer, Zac Efron, Robert De Niro, Halle Barry, Carrie Ewells, exactly. Alyssa Milano, Jessica Biel, Seth Meyers, John Bon Jovi, Catherine Heigl, Ashton Kutcher, Leah Michelle, Sarah Jessica Porker, <laughs> that's what I call her, and Abigail Breslin. <clears throat> that is an amazing cast list. I'm probably leaving some people out. He made the same thing with Valentine's Day with almost the exact same cast and some other, all big celebrity cast, you know, one of those kind of movies. And it stinks. And the fact of the matter is, if Gary Marshall was here right now, I would kiss his ass because he did The Odd Couple and he and Happy Days, and he's still way cool. But he's his movie making for these big cast things stinks. It stinks. And the reason I bring it up is because Love Actually, you know, my favorite writer-director from Notting Hill, Richard Curtis, did it. Shows how you do in love, actually, how you make a movie like that the correct way. The only way where you take your big celebrity star cast and nobody's a lead and they all have to work together and the stories have to intertwine to where you are interested, to where there is zany, there is funny, there's good writing, there's sadness, there's tragic and there's just greatness, and there's great fucking movie making. And Gary Marshall, you don't know how to do it. And that's why your movie only made $8.3 million with Julia Roberts, who I guess doesn't, you know, isn't a bankable star anymore anyway. It's called Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Nobody cares. 
And nobody wants to see, I don't know if Jennifer, oh, and, and Kate Hudson, two unbankable stars, Kate Hudson and Jennifer Aniston. They keep getting work on their looks. I don't know how they keep getting work. They, their movies never make money, ever. Love Actually stars Bill Nye, Colin Firth, Liam Neeson, Emma Thompson. Remember, this movie's 12 years old. Martin Freeman, Kieran Knightley, Hugh Grant, who was ridiculous huge back then, Laura Linney, Alan Rickman, Billy Bob Thornton, Rowan Atkinson, January Jones, Alicia Cuthbert, Claudia Schiffer, Denise Richard. I put those in because, damn, they're hot. And I would much rather see those three in the scene that I could play for you right now, which is so sexy and works for me. It's so hot than seeing Jennifer Aniston and Kate Hudson do anything. This is a scene from Love Actually where this guy is obsessed that he says, in America, it's easy for me to get laid because I'm British. And he just puts his place up on the market or whatever he does, gets got duffel bags full of, com- of, of condoms and goes to Wisconsin, gets out of the airport and says, take me to a regular American bar, walks into this bar, and the three hottest girls you've ever met are in there. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to skip over. <laughs> Jeannie? Yeah. This is... Colin. Bristle. Cute name. Jeannie. He's from England. Yep. Basildon. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Wait till Caroline gets here. She's crazy about English guys. Uh-huh. So that's uh, January Jones. I don't know who the other girl is. And then uh, Alicia Cuthbert comes in, and they're just so hot. Hey, girls. Carol Ann, come meet Colin. He's from England. Step aside, ladies. This one's on me. Hey, gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> What do you call that? Uh, bottle. Bottle? <laughs> what about this? Uh, straw. Straw? <laughs> what about this? Uh, table. Table. Oh, it's the same. same. Oh, where are you staying? I don't actually know. I guess I'll just check into a motel that they're doing the movies. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, that is so cute. <laughs> no, 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 listen. This may be a bit pushy because we just met you, but why don't you come back and sleep at our place? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's not too much of an inconvenience. Hell no. Uh, but there's one problem. What? Well, we're not the richest of girls, you know, so you just have a little bed and no couch. Uh, so you would have to share with all three of us. Mm-hmm. And on this cold, cold night, it's gonna be crowded and sweaty and stuff yeah and we can't even afford pajamas which means we would be naked no no i think it'd be fine great (laughs) um you think that's gonna make it more crowded harriet you haven't met harriet it's a false one. Yeah. Don't worry, you're totally gonna like her because she is the sexy one. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. 
Praise the Lord. And he's a Christian. Cheers. Uh, you know, it's it's such a sexy scene. Those girls are so pretty, and it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, it goes. I mean, but when you're watching the movie for the first time, you're sitting there and you're waiting for something to happen, like they're going to take his money or something, something, and it never does. And it's beautiful because it's just a ridiculous fantasy that you know. And, and they know it's they know it's ridiculous, but. We can't even afford pajamas. And it's stuck in this movie of greatness to where I think I played it Christmas time or something where Alan Rickman gets a, a present for this girl at his office who's coming on to him and gives Emma Thompson, his wife, you know, the Joni Mitchell collection to continue your emotional education because we were playing that when Alan Rickman died. And then there's a, a it's a devastating, sad scene about... My husband doesn't love me anymore, and, you know, just, uh, I'm sorry, there, there was a car driving uh, up the wrong way on the one-way street, <laughs> and then I hear horns horns honking. Uh, that definitely threw me. It's funny, I put my phone on airplane mode so I don't get distracted. Now I'm looking out the window, I see a car going the wrong way. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, but it's, uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a devastating scene, and then, you know, there's all, and the scene I played up top, is Hugh Grant is the prime, the new, brand new prime minister, which is exciting. Why, you know, what if the prime minister was kind of young and single and cool, and um, he likes one of the girls in the king, and the and the president of the United States, played by a you know, brilliantly Billy Bob Thornton, is a bully, and uh, he just gives this rousing speech, which makes him a hero to everybody. How interesting is that? I just described the same movie, and it has no connection, but then it does, and then it connects at the end. And then you see how they connect. And, I mean, I don't know whether Richard Curtis wrote it or not, but whether he did or didn't, he definitely directed it. I think he wrote it, too. Well, this guy really gets it, and he knows how to put together a movie like this. There's another scene in Love Actually that uh, he goes around looking for his girlfriend. He's got to go down the street because he doesn't know exactly where she lives. He just knows the block. And uh, he goes from door to door, which is very funny. I'm going to play that, too. Part of the service now. I'm trying to get around everyone by New Year's Eve. Oh. Ah, hello. Uh, does Natalie live here? No, she doesn't. Oh dear. Okay. Are you seeing carols? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Please, sir, please, please. Well, I, mean, I suppose I could. Please. All right. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen when the snow lay round about. That's his uh, security detail. <laughs> That's all of a sudden he has an unbelievable singing voice. It's really funny. I'm going to move along to um, where he meets the, the girl. Ah, hello. Is uh, Natalie here? Oh, where the fuck is my fucking coat? Oh, hello. Hello. Um, this is my mum and my dad and my uncle Tony and my auntie Lynn. Hi. Very nice to meet you. And um, this is the prime minister. 
Yes, we can see that, darling. And um, unfortunately, we're very late. It's the school Christmas concert, you see, David. Ah. It is the first time all the local schools have joined together. Even St Basil. Too much detail, Mum. Uh, anyway, uh, how can we help, sir? Well, I just needed Natalie on some state business. Oh. Right, yes, of course. Right, uh, well, perhaps you should uh, come on later, Plumpy. Uh, Natalie. Oh, well, listen, I don't want to make you late for the concert. No, it's nothing, really. Keith will be very disappointed. No, really, it doesn't matter. The octopus costume's taken me months. Hey, it's a lot of legs, David. Hmm. Um... Well, listen, why don't I, um, give you a lift and then we can talk about this state business... business... in the car. Okay. Lovely. Lovely, yes. Yeah, I'll try, everybody. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's nice. It's it's gay. Why did I play it? I don't know. I I love that scene because it's uh he goes to the house and then she comes down and it's it's also a good way of using the f word properly, uh, where she's just like, "Where the fuck is my fucking coat?" And you know, that's the way they she's talking that way in front of her parents because they don't give a crap about stuff like that in England, and they're not that uptight about it. And she's saying, and and that's funny. That's a funny entrance. And then the parents are sitting there and they're like, and I like the fact that they know his name because why wouldn't they know his name? It would be like, oh, this is the president of the United States. Like, uh, well, how can we help um, Obama? You know, how can we help Barack? You know, like, I mean, we would know his name. I don't know. I find it interesting. I like their voices. Like, I need Natalie's help on some state business. Right. Right. Um, very well. That's the father. You know, <laughs> he's like, he's... um. I don't know. It's just well done. And you're talking about there's that scene, which is just romantic comedy. You have the fantasy scene with this guy, which is just, you know, interesting. And then you have these other scenes, which are very serious and, you know, uh, almost devastating. And But they're all about love in completely different ways. And they're packaged perfectly. And they all come to a head. And it and it's really funny, and there's some laugh out loud funny, you know. With we've played before when Alan Rickman died with him and Rowan Atkinson, and then it's just done the right way. And I could, I guarantee you, I could watch New Year's Eve, I could watch Valentine's Day, and I could watch Mother's Day, and that's Gary Marshall, Gary Marshall, who I laugh out loud at the Odd Couple to this day, when Felix leaves the house and he goes, "Where am I going?" And he's doing a shuffle, and he goes, you're shuffling off to Buffalo. <laughs> you know, that still makes me laugh. There's so many things in The Odd Couple. Happy Days. The Fonz will always make me laugh. There are certain things I can watch to this very day, and he does stuff which still makes me laugh out loud. And that is all Gary Marshall. But for some reason, this guy, when he makes movies of this kind, he sucks. And it, and it makes me really upset and angry and that is why i decided to go off on this rant the day after the year of the godfather <laughs> because uh and again if you listen to my uh when you listen to the godfather thing and you listen to the stand-up next week or whenever you'll hear that i talk about what is inside my head and why i even put together a godfather show because obviously my mind is in different places than everybody else's and that's why i you know uh, we'll never be married, I guess. <laughs> 
Well, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed bringing it to you. I feel much better today. I'm glad we talked it all out. You know, I mean, maybe I didn't talk it about with everybody else. And I was, I was like, well, it was okay. It was okay. It was okay. But I'm glad we talked it out today. I'm glad I talked it out to myself. And I, you know, feel like people are listening. But, you know, listen, we're going to judge ourselves. I guess I'm going to, obviously, I'm going to have to listen to myself. I, I know I'm going to be cringing. I know I'm going to be cringing. But know this. I will fix this on the third one. So if anybody's listening that was there last night, please come again. Give me another chance. I will fix it, and I will make it better, and 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 I will not fail. And if we ever do this one again, because I have them all again, you know, if we do them somewhere else, if I take it on the road, I will fix this one too. And I will make them all great and better because I know the mistakes I made. I vow this to you, the purchasing ticket public, and... Listeners to the greatest podcast of all time, the Dave Juscott Podcast, the only podcast that can bring you the Godfather and a sappy romantic comedy that is love actually. And don't you people forget it now and forever, the Dave Juscott Podcast. I think I, I just went into Jack Walsh because I missed doing it last night. And I'll tell you this. Hard and even more of a man, so you don't think I'm an old hearted man. The Dave Juscott Podcast is the greatest podcast I've ever seen, and I feel it from all over. Anyway, Podfest, if you want to see the podcast done live at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, oh God, I hope it's 80 degrees and sunny outside, you dumb shit. <laughs> Three o'clock in the afternoon at the very darkened, lonely, dirty cake shop, May 21st. I'm totally looking forward to it. Me, Rachel Feinstein, Marina Franklin, we're going to be there. It should be super fun. We'll do it for exactly an hour, and hopefully we'll see you then. I'll see you next week on the Dave Jeskow Show. Bye.